Hey everybody, it's Jake uh, with J. Jake Jackets. I just wanted to go ahead and say that for today's episode, we had our very first guest interview with uh, Alex Chavance, who is a writer for the New Jersey Devils with the Hockey Riders. Um, it was very fun talking with Alex. Uh, he's a friend of Jay's. But unfortunately, after the interview, we had issues with Zoom and we couldn't really get a proper ending. So I'm going to just say right now here at the top um, that we're sorry and we're going to cover a lot of other topics like the Blackhawks and a few other heavier things uh, later on on Saturday's show. So enjoy our talk with Alex. Uh, go Jackets. Let's beat the Devils tonight if the show goes up you know, post-game. Still enjoy our interview with Alex. It was really fun to chat it up and talk Devils with him. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the podcast, everybody. You're listening to Jay Jake Jackets. Gear up to fire the cannon and hit the ice with your host, Jay Ashdown and Jake Gehringer. for today's episode this is gonna be a lot of fun me too this will be a lot of fun i'm very excited for it um it'll be a good time this is gonna be a really fun one like we've been you know saying for days on individual twitter on the, the podcast twitter which please still go follow that we're trying to grow as much as we can jj jackets pod it's simple enough you'll find us right yeah um we're hyping this up because this is our first episode with a guest today mm -hmm. uh, it was total change to of plans. yeah total change of plans from what we thought we were gonna do but we're gonna make this quick we're gonna do a little kepi uh we're gonna recap most of the pens game that should probably take what both of those maybe 10 ish minutes yeah. minutes at most uh, and then we're going to dive right into it with our guest. And then if we've got time later, we got a few more things to talk about. Perfect. So you did Kepi last. Kepi first the last time? Yes. It was me? Okay. Yeah. Should, should have said that differently. But... <laughs> Phrasing. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy. Uh, I think I think he, he struggled this season. He's been incredibly inconsistent, but uh, the most noticeable player on the ice outside of Elvis was was Roslovic. I think that's Rosie's first Kepi this year. I thought he had it after the Buffalo game. Maybe he scored two goals. Oh yeah, maybe one of us did give him one. I, I think I think we gave him for that, but but still, it's it's been tough for him this year. It's not been a great yeah. year for him. So, but, and that's my, my issue is there's, there's, it's been so inconsistent because he's been invisible for like eight straight games. We and talked about it last episode games. as like trade bait. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he'll go eight games doing nothing and then he'll have like two, three points. Right. And then, you know, seven games doing nothing, two, three points. Like, like it's just the, the games that he's producing in, he, he's doing well in, like he's putting mm -hmm. multiple points up, but then he's just invisible. 
for the next several games. Yeah, that's streaky players happen. There's nothing wrong with being streaky. Line A streaky. Line A is very streaky. I don't think it's as much of an issue with Line A as it is with with Roslovic. Well, because Line A, you know, he's got the notoriety to where when he goes on those streaks and he cools off for a bit, you're like, okay, he's going to be fine. Yeah, he is going to be fine. And he at least still presents the threat. Mm-hmm. Or even yeah. if he's cold, if he hasn't scored in four games, you're not going to back up on him. You no. know what I mean? You're <laughs> yeah, not going to exactly. get some time and space. So, so the defensemen still need, you know, the players need to, to, to step up on him. And he still has the ability to make a play because he draws so much attention. So right. Roslovic doesn't really have that. No, not really. Degree. Not yet. Um, so it's not, a struggle with it. Well, it's like Larson's also not really giving him the position to succeed like we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs more time. That's the problem. Is that, it's that debate of he needs more time, but as a coach, has he earned more time? Right. And that's, and that's a struggle because you are a team that's trying to win, you know. I know we're in a rebuilding season. We're a rebuilding team by definition. But, you know, and I said this in, in the Discord, like, they're trying oh, to win. Oh, when you finally talked. When I finally it. talked in it. They're trying to win games. <laughs> they're trying, because they're trying to continue building on the culture that was instilled by John Tortorella of winning. You, you went know? on a whole, like, your reply to Ramon was just like, here's all my thoughts at once. <laughs> Yeah, that which is kind of generally funny. how I am as a person, but like, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, like, as a team, they're trying to win hockey games because. And Mark Shea wrote a piece I mean, on this recently too. That's what all teams are supposed to do. It's what they're supposed to do, but not all teams do it. But I don't know if you saw Mark Shea wrote a really great piece about like, sorry, CBJ fans who want like a really good draft pick. Like mm-hmm. this team, it's not in them to lose hockey games it's not in their their makeup to tank no. it's not their identity this is a team that has built a pretty good foundation a good culture and it's not just under torts it really started when yarmo was first hired in the 2012 yes i think i did just see this where it's been since it was since part yarmo of your reply and it was also like i've seen a couple of other tweets yeah, so since Yarmo has been the GM and he was hired in the during the 2012-2013 season, um, the Blue Jackets have had three coaches. It went from Todd Richards to uh, John Tortorella, now to Brad Larson. It's 20, that's 22. not a lot of turnovers. It's not common in the yeah. National Hockey League. It's not. Usually teams, teams there is waste. a lot more turnover with those contracts, yeah. Well, it's, it's just hockey. They're, it's the most absurd sport with coaches. They go through, <laughs> teams go through coaches like toilet paper. They, <laughs> they, really go through, they go through goalies like toilet paper, too. It's, it's like, like it's they the, just recycle the same damn coaches over and over again. The, the recycling Jackets, is an issue. It's yes. an absolute issue. But the Blue Jackets have found success with it, you know, because they, they went from Ty Richards, who was an interim coach mm-hmm. um, after they fired the deal, and then he became the head coach. And then the 2012-13 season was pretty good. Just missed the playoffs. Next year, make the playoffs. Next year, a bunch of injuries. Next year, sucks. He gets fired. Then Torts comes in. Playoffs, 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 playoffs. And then it's not until his last season that they finally missed the playoffs under him, under a full season that he's finally done. 
and they go with Brad Larson, who's been a part of this organization for well over a decade. Right. So, like, there's been continuity within the franchise, and that's a good thing. There's stability. Yarmo is what? I think the fourth longest tenured general manager in the National Hockey League? Something like that, because I know there's, there's that, Doug like, Wilson, there's the, David Poyle. David Poyle's been around since Nashville's inception. And Doug uh, Wilson's been around in San Jose for as long as Poyle has been. Been since has 90. He really? He's been for a while, man. Huh. So, like, it's 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 crazy like um uh, he's he's definitely in the top five. Oh yeah in terms of longevity probably for teams i mean think about it there's so many good teams in the national hockey league who've won championships that still don't have their gms from it the penguins have changed their general manager recently oh yeah you know the capitals have done that um mcclellan's yeah. been there a while though he's been there for a while but like they, they did it during like the during their reign of being a really good team. Right. Um, I mean, the Lightning. Steve Eiserman left. Eiserman did leave. Well, I mean, Eiserman was going to go home. Yeah, he was going to go home. Which was smart on his part. It was good for him to do. But, like, mm-hmm. the point here is, shit, man. I know the Jackets don't have a rich history of success. And, you know, they don't have, like, all the playoff wins and accolades and Stanley Cups and stuff like that. But. For a team, considering where they were when they traded Rick Nash in 2012, mm-hmm. from that point on, it's unbelievable what they've built in terms of sustainability and just building a legitimate culture. Oh, yeah. Like the the amount of just, I mean, we've addressed this in multiple, multiple episodes, the amount of just growth as a hockey market for this yeah. city has been enormous just in the last really five years let alone a decade and it's and it's largely due to the fact that they finally built a decent code they, they, they built a product that was worth watching yeah because even though it always was wasn't always the most exciting under john tortorella mm-hmm. it's still fun to win you know winning cures all and yeah. they were winning hockey games and we you know we compared john's like early early system to Barry Trotz and how he was trying to be like Trotz light. Mm-hmm. That's really who he's been his entire career. Yeah. And I mean, for a while it worked and now they got to shift things uh, because yeah. they have the pieces that didn't fit right under that. Now you got to change a pace and Lars is doing just that. Exactly, um, and I like Lars, and he's a good. He, I, from what I've seen so far, I think he's a good coach. I like what he's doing. Oh yeah, but I'm loving for Lars with this kind of situation to bring it back to Jack Rosovic. Yes. A situation where sure you want to give him more ice time and put him in positions to succeed because he's a talented player. Twenty fifth overall pick. But he hasn't earned it, and you have to manage that too, which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but you got to manage it for the guys who have earned it. Sean Corrales has earned his third line minutes. He, mm-hmm. he's, earned, he's earned a spot as, as the third line center of this team. He was never the third line center in Boston. Right. They didn't just give it to him. He earned that. Boone has definitely earned that first line oh, spot God. this year. Like God, with, by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, <laughs> 
Bjorkstrand has has more than earned his his time in the, in the top six, basically his entire career with the Blue Jackets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So yours is going to Rosie, which mm-hmm. is nice. We haven't heard a lot from Rosie in a while, and it was good that he had a nice you know couple point night, mm-hmm. which was noticeable in the way the game went. Uh, mine is. Um, oh shoot, I lost it for a minute. <laughs> no, never mind. No, I didn't lose it. It's my dude. It's my guy. Yeah, he put one in, so. Come on. And it was electric. Like, Oliver, that shot is just classic Ollie, right? Yeah. It was a good feed from, from Roslovic. Got right to him, and it was just a quick shot. Bang, back of the net. Beautiful. So, yeah. Uh, Ollie and Rosie. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, so the game itself was something. It was very back and forth. It was a good game. Six o'clock start, first of all. I don't know why they moved. I love that they did it. I don't know why they moved it back an hour from normal. I like, mean, was it's it a always Sunday. slated it's a Sunday. at six? Yeah, it's a Sunday game. Fair enough. Sunday um, games you can do at six. It's easier because because typically the Blue Jackets have had like recently just because like uh, my my parents had like a season ticket package we we've mm-hmm. had several like Sunday games at six o'clock I I like it it's nice and convenient especially being you know in Cleveland and having to make that drive getting home yeah and, like, and going back into the work week and... so like I I like it I I wish they do more of it but um matinee games are always nice on a Sunday too like for people that can just kind of sit at home. Yeah, of course. Um, first period was, you know, it was just. I'm trying to just remember the highlights, honestly. Because it was very back and forth, and the Blue Jackets got on the board first when when Roslevic found Bjorkstrand, mm-hmm. and then the Penguins tied it with I want to say like 50 some seconds left in the period. That was Chad Ruedel. Yeah, it was Ruedel. right along the. <laughs> right back along the boards yeah it was a real <laughs> weird play for elvis he couldn't really get set and it hit somebody in front and it just it was a weird goal but it was very strange not yeah. much you can do about it not it much sucks. you can do like, about it and like the old adage man like you know the, the goals in the first and last minute of the period those ones kill the most well something too is like you know there are times where you need to save that's a huge mm-hmm you know, phrase that gets thrown around at goalies. And it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you see him. How are you supposed to expect that? Because that literally came out of almost nowhere. Yeah. It, and that's what I mean. It's tough because like, it's such a weird goal and you'd love a save there, mm-hmm. but at the same, the same time, you're also like, my God, he stepped 37 to 40. Like give him some fucking help. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Exactly. But like, it's that, that balance of like, well, you the really screen didn't help because like, Gavrikov was literally right in Elvis's face. I think it might have hit Gavrikov. I think that's might who that it might have been hit who it hit too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's weird and it's hard to judge because like he also had the like he was stumbling back and he could, he didn't really get set and then it surprised mm-hmm. him and it was just, it was just a weird play. It was very yeah. It's almost one that I just don't pin on anybody, and I'm just like, that's just like, what are you gonna do? It's weird. That's like, you know, I bowled in high school, right? And every 
one of the first things we learned was whenever you have a bad frame, you have three seconds to wipe that from your mind and go on to the next frame. Whenever you have a bad throw, you have three seconds. Don't sit on it, get it out of your mind and go to the next throw. Right. That's what that Ruedel goal felt like to me. Yeah. Because it was just such a weird fluke. <laughs> it was. But like I, mean, I had no, I had no complaints though. They played in the first period, fluke, and the, and the, and it's tied. I mean, like, what are you gonna do? It, he made some happen. great saves too. Like that, there was that enormous save on Gino Malkin in the first period, yeah. like towards the end. That was just oh my god. And then getting lucky with some going off, glancing off of his shoulders and stuff. Yeah, and then in. Uh... Second, second period. Second period. Uh, Jack scores. Yep. Which was awesome. <laughs> it was a good play. He needed that. He did. He need. He needs. Here's the thing, though. We say that he. Oh, he needed this. This is good. This will help him out. And then he just doesn't do anything <laughs> for the next few. Yeah. So like, I hope that he does something with this performance. I hope it helps him get him out of his shell, but. I'm not going to be relying on it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to. I mean, it's against your probably one of your biggest division rivals. At least. It would have been a nice game to win. Would have been a really nice game to win. It would have absolutely been a huge game to win. Um, And then the third period, we said this in our text messages Gino and Sid, what else are you going to do against those two? Could have been a bit like. The Sid goal is the one that everybody's complaining about, which understandably so. I get the frustration. I do. It's the Penguins. You're the the team that everybody in this fan base hates the most. Yeah. It's you know the the, the player that everybody hates the most in this fan base, Sidney Crosby. Oh yeah, Doobie is in the crowd. Yeah, Doobie's in the house. <laughs> I get it. I understand the frustration. I don't see a problem with the goal. And I watched. I understand and I, why they challenged it. You, you're taking the challenge because you are saying there is a higher probability that they're going to call this goal off mm-hmm. than there is we're going to score in the final two minutes of the game. Right. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. Um, I, I, I think, generally speaking, that that's the right call. I know that the risk is a two-minute penalty, which effectively kind of ends the game because there's 2.17 left. Yeah, but you were saying in that moment we think there's a higher probability they're going to call this goal off than we're going to score, so you're taking the higher probability because it doesn't matter if it's three to three or two to two, all that matters is it's tied. You're trying to go yes, to overtime exactly. and get a point. You didn't get the call, you live with it. The, they played Gino, well. They played well enough to win. Sometimes Gino's tying goal games. was just a snipe, and it was just like, oh my god, that's just what G, uh, Evgeny Malkin it's does. Not- yeah, you sometimes you just gotta sit back and be like, "Fucking hell, man!" It's it's Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Sometimes you play well and you lose to those guys. They're really good. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm I'm not that pressed over it. I'm not. I liked how they played. You know, sometimes you're just Brian Rust too. Like just being Brian, Brian Rust, Rust is amazing. 
They're Chris Letang. They're, they're, they're an unbelievable team, unbelievable organization. There's no shame in losing to them. They're, you know, you've said it yourself. They're probably the most model organization this in league the, has in right the now. League? Yeah, I think so. You look just, at an organization just, and you want to, you, you see, how do you want your organization run? I want, I want my organization to be run like the Penguins. Just top down. Mm-hmm. I love the way the Blue Jackets are run right now. There's just yeah. the Penguins. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we love our executives. We love our coaches. We love our players, obviously. I mean, we're fans. I love the culture they've built. The but culture, you know what also yeah. I like? I also like players who are as good as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and yeah. Brian Lust and Chris Letang and Jake Gensel and Tristan Jari. Like, I just, they've built it so well. Now, I will say, I want to give kudos to Casey DeSmith for how he played late. Casey, it's weird. He's had a terrible season. Yeah. But God, his two starts against the Blue Jackets, he was unbelievable. <laughs> How funny is that? Of course, of course. Yeah, of you course. Know. It's he turns into Mark Andre Fleury whenever they play Columbus, right? You know, he's he's not a bad goalie. I don't no. think he's a bad goalie. He's, yeah. he's, had, he's had some really good seasons with the Penguins. He's just having a bad year. Um, but God, yeah, no, he was he was really good. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you you go into that game being like they're in, in the second of a back to back. Tristan Jari just had a shutout, and now they got to go to their backup who's not having a good season. You, you, they lost you, six to one really the night hope. before. <laughs> yeah, you you really really hope that you'd be able to take that game. But like I said, sometimes things just happen. Sometimes Evgeny Malkin goes off. Sometimes, sometimes Sidney Crosby, Crosby scores Crosby. late. Uh, yeah. Sometimes Casey DeSmith, despite having a bad season, who's generally turns into George Vesna, plays well. Oh, you know, it just happens. I, I have no complaints with how they played. I have no complaints with Brad Larson calling the challenge on the goal with with two seventeen left in the game. No issues with it at all. Sometimes you can play well enough to win, be okay with everything that happens. And guess what, Jake? It's hockey. Sometimes you lose. Yeah, sometimes bad bounces happen. Sometimes bad calls don't go your way. Um, I will say I did have a gripe watching the highlights when I saw Sid's goal. Just a I didn't little have bit. An issue like I did I didn't have too much of an issue with it, but at the same time I was just watching it and going, Oh, hmm. I, uh, yeah. I was I was very back and forth on it. The problem is, is you got to take the emotion out of it. If I'm watching another game and it's between, say, like the Sharks and the Oilers and that happens, I don't have an issue with it. Right. If I can take emotion out of it and I don't have an issue with it, then I'm just going to take myself out of it as a fan. Because yeah, like, I think if, I was if, definitely if it was bad enough that I'm like, just like, oh, that's just objectively a bad call. Yeah, I'd be pissed. But I really I really don't have an issue with it. As a yeah, call. I had my fa- I think I had my fan mode on when I was watching the highlights earlier yeah. this yeah. morning. It's hard to turn it <laughs> off. It's yeah. hard to turn it off, but you know, I, I I think they called that the way that I would have wanted them to call it. Yes, because if we're if the Blue Jackets had scored that goal, of course you want it to be a goal. Mm-hmm. And if the Blue Jackets scored it, I would expect it to be a goal. Right. But, but no, I thought they played well. You know, they lost. It sucks, but I liked how they played. And, and like we said, going into this stretch, it's not so much just in terms of the result. I want to see how they play. And even though they didn't win, I liked what I saw from the game. I did. Just they play well, like really develop players. That's really the biggest, you know, we've said it from the beginning of the season. That's the biggest takeaway we want 
is yeah. play well and individually develop. Exactly. And I'll, and I'll tell you, like, you know, it, it's nice. We talk about a model organization like the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and a really good hockey team. They just went toe-to-toe with them. Yeah. Nobody controlled that game. We played well, but the Penguins never had control of that game until until late. Fairly late, yeah. Until, yeah. So, like, it just happens. I have no issue with it. It's hockey. It's, it's, not, two points, it's not two points in the standings, but... I like sport of bounces. Yep. Sport of bounces. Um, I do like that you, first of all, I like that you and I are wearing like matching sweaters. This is kind of yeah, cool. <laughs> um, and there's a reason why I'm wearing my hat hat today, which is because uh, as of recording this today, who knows when this is going to go out, probably post game again. Thanks, YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah. They play the Devils today. And our first guest is a buddy of Jay's. He's yep. a Devils writer. Yep, writes for the hockey writers. Um, can we? How do we get this to him? Um. Well, let's go ahead and pause, and we'll bring him on. All right. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, good to talk. Uh, good to come on and talk about some Devils and the Blue Jackets ahead of tonight's game. Well, oh, yeah, again, like we said, um, like we usually say, thanks to YouTube, it might be going out post game. Yeah, yeah, Premiere and YouTube and everything like that. It's just fun. Yeah, what we still have do? fun with. It. Yeah, yeah, what can you do? Uh, Alex Chauvency, right? Yeah. Close enough. Good enough. Yeah, it's good. It's good enough. Honestly, if you come within, you know, what I hear usually, then it's fine. I got Shivane once. I was like, dude, can you read? (laughs) (laughs) That's not my last name. Oh, beautiful. No, I always get that too, where it's like, is it Geringer? Geringer? My one of my former bosses, even just as a joke, would go Geringer. (laughs) Geringer. And I'm like, when people right. call me Ashton, and I'm just like, dog, it's not hard. You can literally <laughs> just separate the two words in it. <laughs> That's what yeah. I had to do for our show's intro, dude. I had to, like, when I was corresponding with the guy, I had to say, okay, this is how you pronounce it for yeah, your name. Like, I can't believe I have to explain to people how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you definitely have the easiest last name of uh, the three of us here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still get it wrong sometimes. I'm just like, why? It's just like, don't overthink it. Yeah, it's for real. Right there. Yeah. Um, we got some questions for you, man. I yeah, mean, we got right. a lot of good topics to go around. Um, mostly about like previewing the game and comparing the seasons that these teams are having. And then some future stuff for the Devils and where they go from here because there's a lot of uncertainty around them. Yeah, let's go for it. So right. we're okay. Do they have lineups for you guys tonight? Uh, not yet, but I would assume they're just probably going to run the same exact lineup that they did last night against the Canucks with maybe just John Gillies starting instead of Nico Dawes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't think, considering they won 7 2 last night, I don't really think they're going to be too many changes. So Gillies yeah, and no. Elvis. Okay. 
Yeah, probably. I would assume. I don't think they're going to go back to back with Nico Dawes yet. Yeah, right. he's a young kid, so I don't know if they want to yeah. do that. First, yeah. we can talk about that. I mean, you beat the shit out of the Canucks. That was pretty Yeah, wild. that was really wild. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that game was never even close. They just got out to a quick 3 nothing lead in the first period, and they didn't even look back after that. Um, I mean, the Devils have been scoring a lot of goals, you know, I guess, about the last month. When I was doing the write-up for last night's game, I went back and looked at, like, their last seven games or something like that. And they're, uh, they've scored 37 goals in their last seven games, which is just over five goals a game. Yeah. Um, so they're scoring a lot right now. It's just that goaltending has really been an issue when Nico Dawes is not starting, apparently. Yeah, because we saw that, and you tweeted it, and, you you know, I'm a huge Jay Fresh guy, too, obviously. Yeah. But you got three guys who are in the bottom ten in goals saved above expected. It's John Gillies, Mackenzie Blackwood, and Akira Schmid, right? Yeah, that's it. Akira is, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's just a prospect, and he's having a really good season down in Utica. He's got, like, a 930 save percentage for the Comets. So, like, and he's making the jump from the, yeah, and he's making the jump from the USHL to pros, which is a really big jump. The USHL is not, it's not really a good junior league. So, um, I'm not really, like, concerned about him right now. But, like, Mackenzie Blackwood being as bad as he was to start the season was, um, wasn't really expecting that, to be honest. Even though last season, he wasn't great either. Um, and wasn't then John he also Gilly. going through a whole vaccination thing too? Like, yeah, there was so. I mean, last year he got COVID really bad. And when he he came back from that, he was just not the same goalie. And then he had off-season heel surgery. Um, apparently, that's why his play was suffering at the beginning of the season, and is why he's not in the lineup right now. He's still mm-hmm. dealing with pain from that. And yeah, and then before the season started, he was like one of three players in the NHL or whatever, how many it was that didn't get vaccinated. Yeah, it was like, Apparently, it was him and Tyler Bertuzzi and then like one more guy. I yeah, think. Zach Ronaldo. I think. Oh, that's yeah, right. It was Ronaldo. I forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, he's on the, is he still with the Blue Jackets organization? So he's I, still technically on payroll in the Blue Jackets organization because yeah. they have to honor his contract, but he's not with the Monsters. Oh, he's not even with so, the monsters. Okay. Yeah. So, like, his contract he's is still just around. But... Text doing nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a pretty good deal. Get paid to do nothing, I guess. So, I'd love um, to. I wish. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Who wouldn't want that? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, yeah, as for yeah. Blackwood, I mean, he was in his. Uh, the thing with Blackwood is apparently, and Tom Fitzgerald confirmed it on, I think it was like uh, Darren Dredger's podcast before the season started that, like, Blackwood was in his he was on his he was in his seat to get his vaccination shot and then he just got up and left. And oh. that's how that whole thing like went down. And he eventually ended up getting vaccinated before um they had their first road trip up in Canada when they still had all the restrictions. Um but yeah, that was a whole mess. And then after that, I guess his heel started acting up again and his play just hmm. bottomed out. Now he's been one of the worst. You know, he's I don't know if he's gonna play again this season, remains to be seen. But yeah, he, he's he's had another rough go of it. Yeah, that's the, the unfortunate. interesting because you, you know we, we talk about Blackwood and like his vaccination status as well as the heel injury but then you also got Jonathan Bernier who signed a two-year deal expecting him to be the backup but not like your typical backup you know starting like maybe 20 decent one B you guys are really going through a carousel yeah. like honestly and then yeah he, he's out for the season so like you're, if you've it's thrown a huge monkey wrench in the thing so Akira Schmid, we mentioned, has not seen really much success at the NHL level. But again, he's just a kid, and he's doing well in the minors. So that's not a huge deal. But 
where this where the goaltending goes for the future for the Devils is incredibly interesting to me because like what do you do with Blackwood? Yeah, I, I honestly I have no idea because he's on the contract next season too before he becomes an RFA in 2023. Oh, he's only and, an RFA. And, okay. Yeah, mm. and Bernier is under contract next season too, but like he had the same injury, I guess, that Tuka Rask and I guess Corey Schneider had too, the same hip uh, kind of thing yeah. that they had surgery for. So like I don't yeah. know what his status is going to be. Is he going to be able to come back for next season? I mean, he he looked good to start the season, and then I think that he had he had been dealing with the hip injury since training camp, and he looked good for like I don't know maybe the first month of the season, and then it was kind of pretty obvious that the hip was imploding, and that was that there. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it's a tough situation. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's, tough for sure. Yeah, there the team as a whole really hasn't been doing that great either, and I mean we in our like metro prediction like towards the beginning of the season um you know said that columbus and new jersey were kind of going to be right there at the bottom just both of them kind of fighting for that last spot um we we didn't expect the devils to still be this bad we thought they were going to take at least somewhat of a step at least in terms of just watching them play because they get Dougie Hamilton. They've had Mackenzie Blackwood, hoping for a step from Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. And I mean, and they got Jack's Ryan Gray. They got Ryan yeah, yeah, Gray. I think Heischer is really solid. Um, it's unfortunate the goaltending's just been the, the biggest issue because yeah. Dougie, yeah, Hamilton, for the most part, has been as advertised. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I really actually don't think the Devils are that bad. It's just that their goaltending has been so awful this season that i think it's cost them like who was it i think it was you guys i don't know if you guys follow shana goldman on uh twitter she writes for the athletic she does the rangers and devil stuff and she said "Mm, i think like a week or two ago that if the devils just had league average goaltending they'd probably have six more wins than they do now so they'd be like in the same spot columbus is right now if that was the case yeah well that's definitely how we feel about uh specifically Jonas corpusalo right yeah because i mean we know elvis is our guy um i'm assuming you guys you know tom fitzgerald would say that blackwood is your guy right yeah yeah for sure so it's just like how do you sort out the backup issue and then (laughs) yeah i mean i think right now with the way gillies has played this season and the way dawes has looked his last two starts that like i Nico Dawes really has like a chance to kind of put himself in the conversation to be part of the NHL plans for the next season. The Devils still have like, I think 29 games uh, remaining if you include tonight. And with the way, I mean, the two goalies have played, he's probably going to get a lot of the starts going forward. And I mean, you know, I I mean, that's been the biggest problem for the Devils this season. It's like these games where they score like five or six goals, but they give up six or seven because their Mm -hmm. goaltending is not holding up. Mm-hmm. um and like it, it's frustrating because you have like jack hughes is on pace for 94 points in 82 games like he's been insane um he has 10 yeah he's got I mean, yeah he's got 10 points in his last four games i mean he's been just ridiculously good this season no wonder he joined zach in vegas eh? yeah and just for brad's having a ridiculous season yes, because he's been really yes. good yeah he's maybe the most underrated player in the league 
Yeah, and he's an RFA this summer, so big payday coming for him. Um, That's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is what kind of a deal would you expect for a guy like him? Uh, so I think the Devils actually have some leverage because they gave Jack Hughes an eight-year, $64 million contract. So they oh could be like, okay, Jack Hughes' cap hits $8 million. You're not getting more than him. So That's what I thought, right. too. And he's making 7.25. Yeah, so I think – yeah, I would say he's probably going to come in like just under Jack and Nico. I would say probably $7 million a year would be pretty fair for him given uh, – the contracts they've given out for Jack and Nico. So, so Jesper, I mean, he deserves six and a half to seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where he'll end up. Right. And like with the season he's had, I mean, he deserves it. He's on pace for like 78 points. I think in like yeah. 29 goals or something stupid like yeah. that. So the thing with him is like, when you look at the, the cap hits, but also the contracts they are giving out, that was going to be my next question is, do you see it being a long-term contract because they, they've done that they committed to he sure they committed mm-hmm. to jack hughes would they do that or go with the bridge deal uh so i they bridged him last time around two years ago i think this time they they gotta lock him up long term go eight years because he's uh i think he'd be 24 this summer so if you lock him up eight years you have him on the contract through his best years of hockey so mm-hmm. yeah i don't i think if they if they bridge him again i think that'd be a huge mistake like they gotta do the whole eight year you know, whatever, $7 million a year, something like that. Tom's definitely, like, Fitzgerald's done a really nice job in negotiating, making sure that those bridges happen first, and then, like, knowing where they're at in their primes, being able to lock these guys up. Yeah, he's done a really good job managing their cap situation. Even Ray Shero, you know, I mean, that didn't, <laughs> on, a whole, on the whole, it didn't work out, but Shero was really good at managing the salary cap as well. Um, Fitzgerald just kind of like walked in, in, into a really good cap situation because of the way Cheryl uh, dealt with that kind of stuff. So, and then PK Subban's uh, contract is off the books after the season too. So they're going to have a lot right. of cap space to work with. How, like, the whole PK experiment just kind of has been very up and down. Like, because I mean, yeah, you just mentioned the guy and Obviously, we know he's a great off-ice guy. He's, like, one of the biggest personalities this sport has. Is it just about the, that time in his career where it's just he's going to start winding down? Or do you see another resurgence coming? Uh, I, he's been all right this season, I think. I mean, his first two seasons in New Jersey were really not up to standard, you know, given his previous um, – you know, Norris caliber seasons, but he's been all right this season in New Jersey. He's just kind of like a third pair offensive defenseman. So I, I like, I think that's what he is at this point. Like the, the defensive game is kind of pretty much dried up with him at this point. Um, so I, he still, he's still got like stuff left in the tank and I think they're going to end up trading him here in the, uh, you know, next couple of weeks before the deadline hits. Oh. I think like a team that needs like a, a right-handed shot that, um, need some offense on the back end could probably use him. It's just the money situation is a little tricky. The devils would have to retain at 50% for that to even work. So, so then um, who else do you see being moved for this deadline? Uh, it's that was really one thing tricky. I wanted to hit with you is their deadline moves. We talked about our deadline possibilities. We want to hear about yours. Yeah. So, um, the Devils are like in a really interesting spot for the deadline because like they don't really have any rentals besides Jimmy VC and um, <laughs> Stuban. Like those are the only guys who are on expiring contracts. 
That's what um, I noticed when I looked at your cap friendly is you have like no guys who are UFAs. You just have like a couple. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. It's just Subban and uh, VC. So like uh, huh. they'll sell them, but like, you know. Other than know. that, just kind of stay the course, I guess. No, like, I'm not even sure about that. I think they could be buyers too. Cause like we've seen Frank Saravalli has been mentioning that, you know, that they're in on Brock Besser and then Friedman said oh, a couple wow, of weeks right. before that, Connor Garland. Um, and then Saravalli also said Brandon Hagel in Chicago. Um, so like they're definitely looking for long-term pieces that they can add, like that, you know, just not guys who are on expiring contracts because that makes no sense for them. And, and then uh, who was it last week? Was it yeah, Pierre Lebrun said they're aggressively shopping for a goaltender. Um, oh, I think yeah. that would also be a, a long-term piece. But I, I don't know. I think that's going to be tough to find before the deadline because like what team? I think we all kind of saw good... that though. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But like, like I just the thing is like I don't know what team is going to give up like a, a good goaltender, especially if they're in like a playoff race, you know, before yeah. the deadline. So I think that's something they're going to have to address in the offseason. I would be surprised if they found a long term, you know, solution before the deadline. I don't know I about two players long in my head questions about. Um, yeah. So one is a guy who's an RFA, but he has arbitration rights. So that's Miles Wood. Right them going with that do you see them just going into this offseason with the plan of um just going into arbitration or maybe coming to some sort of agreement with them or is he a guy that they could potentially deal at the deadline uh so i think they could deal him but he hasn't played the whole season because of hip surgery uh oh yeah. he hasn't played yeah he hasn't played a game yet so uh i think the only path there i see is him accepting his qualifying offer because um, okay. there's not really anything else you could do, I think. Uh, so he'll just take his qualifying offer this summer, go on a one-year deal, and then you know, doubles will have to decide what to do with him next season, I think. Yeah, I don't think I they want to move he started him, so. the season hurt, right? It was him and yeah. Wedgwood and who else? It was one more. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, well, I mean, Jack Hughes did get injured in, like, the second game of the season, so I guess you could throw him in there, too. Um, but yeah, like Miles got injured in a preseason game against the Capitals, I think. Um, and he has, it, it went from bumps and bruises to hip surgery. I'm not really sure how he went for that. But yeah, so he's uh, probably, he's skating on his own, but I still think he's probably another month away if he even gets back this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then the other guy that I'm interested in, this is a guy that's, I can tell that Devils fan base is kind of torn on. <laughs> what does the future hold for for Damon Severson? Uh, I knew this was going to be about oh Damon this Severson. guy. Yep, yep. Because um, I think you and I are kind of you know pro Severson, but a lot of Devils. Yeah, fans. for sure. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think I know. I've seen some divisive players in my time writing about the Devils, and I'm not sure if there's been one player who's more divisive than Damon Severson. I guess maybe yes. you could argue Pavel, Z- Pavel Zaka would be the other, but another guy we're going to ask about. Yeah. Um, Severson. So like the thing with Severson is he is a really good, def- he, he, he can play defense, but when he makes a mistake defensively, it's you're going to notice a huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. Like that two on one. I don't know if you said that two on one against yeah. the Maple Leafs a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's a whole litany yeah. of Maple Leafs issues yeah. with Damon. Like, yeah. So like, um, but like the other night he made an insane like stretch pass to Jesper Bratt uh against the Blackhawks that um Bratt scored on to make it a, I think it was either yeah he, he made it a four three game so like he has offensive ability By he's the way, almost as good let me just mention that my favorite one of my favorite calls from this season is from Kanj just screaming Jesper Bratt <laughs> which game was that 
that was a couple of weeks ago i want to say where yeah. he was just, it was a huge i think it was a game winner too and he just screams his name at the top of it. he's so enthusiastic and i love it <laughs> yeah kenji's awesome he, he follows me on twitter and i was that was pretty cool I'd, but um just throwing that out there but yeah he's really chill um i like him as a play-by-play name drop um but but as a but as I was uh, saying about Severson before, like he can move the puck really well. Like I think after Dougie Hamilton, he's definitely he's he's even on par with Dougie Hamilton when it comes to just offensive ability and being able to move the puck. Uh, I just you know he's only he he's got a uh, I guess what like a year and a half on his contract left from now, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't I don't know if the Devils want to sign him to a long term deal because once that extension kicks in, he'll be twenty nine years old. Oh, um, so we'll see what they do with him at the deadline. I'm not really sure i think it would have to take like an offer they can't refuse like toronto being like i don't know he's a first round pick uh timothy lil jagrin and then like a prospect i don't know like nick abruzzesi or something like that i think it would take like that kind of deal for the devils lil grin maybe yeah um it's funny because i've heard all those rumors left and right and just knowing from a couple of my best friends being leaf fans Knowing the history of Damon Severson and Toronto games is just like it's really funny to me that Dubis is looking at him. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, I think any fan base that he goes to, like um, just like contender-wise, you know, I don't think it would be much different than how Devils fans view him. I mean, Devils fans, I don't know, like sometimes they just they make him like sound like the worst defenseman in the league. And I'm like, I don't know, have you watched like Rasmus Ristolainen or something like that? Like, come on, yeah, relax. Yeah. I think Jay's pretty familiar with Risto. Yeah. So. The thing that bothers me most, though, about him, and, and you and I, like, we, we've talked a bit about analytics and stuff like that. We're pro-analytics. We're in, yeah. Uh, I mean, this um, one's at least pro-analytics. <laughs> yeah. People freak out about him and just be like, oh, it's only the analytics nerds who like, who like Damon Severson. And at the same time, I'm like, you don't even have to like analytics to like a guy who is a six foot two defenseman, who is a right hand shot, who's a good puck moving defenseman. He's mobile. Yeah. Um, and, and like, yeah, like you said, like his defense is pretty good. Yeah. It's he, just when he makes the mistake. It's, yeah. But like, so, he doesn't make a lot of them. Yeah. No, he's really, I mean, he, he was playing top pair minutes with uh, Jonas Siegenthaler before Dougie, uh, while Dougie oh, was that's out with right. broken Jonas jaw. Siegenthaler. Um, and yeah, they Jonas were really, Siegenthaler has been year. amazing this season. That was one of uh, uh, Tom Fitzgerald's, I guess, like shrewdest moves. He kind of just like turned into the top pair defensive defenseman out of nowhere. And he's mm-hmm. now he's playing with Hamilton on the top. Good pair, quiet so. move. And it just really paid off. Because yeah. And he's in Washington. And you could see, like, sure, the, the minutes were kind of sheltered, but he was putting up good defensive results. So, you know, you move what I think it was a third round pick to get this guy. Yeah, and that's it. More time, and he, he just flourishes because he wasn't going to get that opportunity in Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, their blue line was stacked, and the Devils clearly had a need, you know, heading into the last offseason to kind of just revamp their blue line. Uh, Dougie, Jonas, and then um, I Graves. feel like I'm forgetting someone. Right, Ryan Graves, yeah, who's been pretty solid, too. Um, He's been good offensively mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, I think the – it's kind of funny because I think when people expected when the Devils acquired Graves, I think the expectation was he would be like the kind of defensive defenseman who would play alongside Hamilton a lot, which he was for a good part of the first half of the season before Dougie got hurt. But now Jonas Stegenthaler comes out of nowhere. and He's got like some of the best defensive numbers in the league. And now it's kind of reversed. Like Ryan Graves is 
a little bit of like a two-way defenseman um, alongside Severson on the second pair. So funny how it's good for Ryan's development. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, the guy can move for someone who's like 6'5", 220. We saw that in Colorado a lot. He's good. Well, in Colorado, he's putting up pretty solid defensive numbers. So if you look at his charts, like they've gone, one going up, one going down. So his defensive numbers this year aren't as good as they were with Colorado, but his offensive numbers are significantly better than they were in Colorado. And as a result, his war percentage has shot up. Yeah. So and, like, yeah, like I, I think his, um, I forgot, I had looked this up before I started here, but I'm pretty sure he's on a career high for points, uh, on pace for a career high in points this season. So, hmm. and this is with him having missed like a few games uh, for COVID and some injuries here and there. Oh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the Devils, like, uh, when I look at them, Especially if Nico Dawes kind of keeps um, putting up some of these good starts, I just kind of like convince myself that like the only thing this team really needs is just to like overhaul goaltending because I mean you got Jack Hughes and Jeff who are point per game players and you got some other good places like Sharon Govich has really come along lately. Yeah, um, Sharon I want to ask piece. something about Sharon yeah. Govich here in a little bit, so just oh uh, yeah, go for it. I'm all about yeah, go Sharon Govich. He's one of my favorite players. I'm- well, I mean, yeah, we love watching him play too. And, you know, guys like Quoken and, and some of the more under the radar bottom six guys like that. Um, but it's a little a bit of a tougher subject, if you don't mind, because I know what's going on uh, in the world, right. right? Yeah, what's going on in the yeah. world right now? Uh, we're not going to get in it. Like, you people know what it is with yeah, Russia yeah. and the Ukraine. Um, Columbus has three Russians on their roster with Tarasov and Gavrikov and Chinnikov. And then, yeah. you know, Sharon Govich is Belarusian. Right. And the NHL has severed ties with a lot of like advertising with Russia and all this kind of stuff. And then the IIHF is basically banning Russia and Belarus from world championships and world juniors for the next like yeah. couple of years yep so how do you think that's gonna affect you know probably all four of these guys um so i mean for sharon go is like the belarusian uh national team is not like really that good so he would be playing um on yeah. any competition so he's gonna miss out on any international competition that they were eligible to play in but like you know that's a tough one like as long as i these players, like I think, stay stay in the states during the off season. They'll be mm-hmm. fine. Um, you know, as far as like international competitions, I don't know about like Tarasov and Chinakov and um, who was the other one that you mentioned for uh, Gavrikov, right? Gavrikov, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think um, being banned from like these international competitions is probably a bigger deal for players like um, you know who are on these teams regularly, like Ovechkin or Panarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these guys would even like go to the world championships. I'm not even like talking about Olympics and stuff. So like um, Gabby could probably be affected. Yeah, if they if it. these guys were yeah, they'd probably miss out on like the world championships. I think that'd be the most notable um tournament unless the NHL decides to have a World Cup in the next couple of years. And they're they thinking about the it. They're yeah, thinking about that. doing it for what 2024. Yeah, that's what I thought I had seen uh, when they said they weren't going to the Olympics. So that could be something that affects them as well. Um, time will tell there. But as long as they stay stateside, I don't really think like anything should affect them when it comes to being able to play for the Blue Jackets or the Devils. 
it's funny because like my original thoughts on forming that question centered around oh my gosh how many players from these countries do these teams have and it was really only those four so i was like okay it's yeah a big deal to ask yeah especially belarus it's like they're not you know they've never really been like a hockey powerhouse um like there was mikhail grabowski like way Mm -hmm. back in the day but bravo um, great yeah but um you know like other than that like sharon govich is definitely the best player from belarus in the nhl right now at least that i can think of off the top of my head so i'm pretty sure the only one who who's also there is the one kid from washington alexei protas oh is he uh from belarus uh belarus also yeah yeah so those are the only two though yeah there's they're not many to begin with yeah no but then, but, you know, knowing that the league is littered with Russian players, we were just like, I thought you guys had a couple more. And then I looked at the roster and I was like, oh, Kuokinen and some of those other guys, they're finished. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, Gusev is back in the KHL. And, right. You know, they draft a lot of Russians. I think the Devils, that's uh, maybe like a little more concern for them. Like, you know, if they want to bring oh, over, yeah. like, what are they going to do about that? Yeah. Yeah. If, like, if they want to bring over Shakir Mukamal uh, Deline and like Arseny Gritsu from the KHL for next season, that would probably be a little bit of a tricky um, issue for them. Uh, we have some... Voronkov and uh, Marchenko waiting in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be something that I'm sure that the, the Devils in the NHL and I guess the KHL will have to try to kind of, you know, weed out this offseason. So there's a guy that you mentioned that I think is interesting because I wanted to ask a little bit about the prospect pool. So yeah. we obviously know about guys like Alexander Holtz and Luke Hughes. They're going to be amazing. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. going to be fine. Yeah, Can yeah, they're good. Some other guys, like you mentioned, Shakir Makamadouline, uh, Nolan Foote, Samu Salmanen, um, yeah. Kevin Ball and Chase Stillman, I think are very interesting prospects. Can you talk a little bit about those guys? Kevin Ball yeah, so- was in the Taylor Hall trade, wasn't he? He yeah. was. Yeah, he was like this, really the centerpiece of that trade. Although you look three years from now, the Devils actually ended up getting Dawson Mercer and Jonas Siegenthaler <laughs> out of that trade. So, so that, they, I they, freaking they, love they, Dawson they, Mercer. It, it worked out. Um, yeah, I think I wrote about this when I did like my season top 10 Devils prospects, like at the beginning of February. Uh, I haven't seen a Devils prospect as unique as Shakir. Um, yeah, just like some of. Yeah, like some of the stuff he does as a defenseman, you don't really ever see from a defenseman. Um, who was it that made the tableau? I think it was Lassie Allenen, who like covers like the uh, Finnish prospects and like some European leagues. And if you look at the Shakir's tableau, it's just like he he's a beast in uh, transition. Like he yeah. does like he's like um oh, what was it? oh uh, limited by minutes. We got that <laughs> notification. Okay, no, Zoom. yeah. We'll we'll yeah. make it quick. We'll make it quick. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. Right. Here. Um. Yeah. He's just like he does kind of things that you would expect from a forward when it comes to zone entries and zone exits and transition. Uh, it just got me like he apparently was a forward coming up and then he converted to defenseman and he was yeah, a little very older. Off the board pick too. Like wasn't it the same draft with uh with Cheney? Like they were both uh, really kind of off the board picks. That, yeah. It's the 2020 draft. Yes. Whichever, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure actually Chinny went like one pick before Chinny was 21st. Shakir... Okay, so he went a pick after Shakir. Okay, so yeah, it was 20 back and 21st. Of like, yeah. what the, are we, why are these guys picked up? Because he was a, what, he was a projected second, third round guy. Yeah, Shakir, yeah. It'd be like, 
a six. A six or something. Yeah. I I remember when uh, Kekalainen got up there on Zoom and was like, "We're picking Igor uh, Chinakov," and I was like, "Because I had, was familiar with them and like, you know, every like." Um, like ranking, I had looked at him as like a sixth or seventh round pick, and I'm like, they just did what with the 21st pick? <laughs> and uh, then you look at him now, and it's board. like, how about it? Yeah, so it kind of worked out, but yeah, that that was um, Shakir is really like just an interesting prospect. I don't know what he'll be in the NHL. Yeah, he's gonna be like, uh, I I don't I can't even really think like of an NHL comparison to him because he's just like so unique, like offensively, like. He's almost like a center, like the way he moves the puck up the ice. It's it's really super interesting. And he's like a jersey for the name, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that name if it even fits on a jersey, honestly. Right. Just um, looking for like how he plays, you know, you talk about his ability in the neutral zone, his transitions, his puck moving ability. It's hard to come up with a comparison because we don't know how good he's going to be defensively in the National Hockey League. We've right. seen that that's a little bit of a weakness in his game. Yeah. Is there a little bit of Shane Goss despair there, or is that still a weird comparison? Uh, like, I think that's yeah. I don't think that's a bad comparison. It's just like the only difference is like Shane's like a little guy, isn't he? He's like five ten or something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's five ten, five eleven. Yeah, Shakir yeah, Shakir's a big dude. He's six four, two hundred pounds. Yeah, he's so like, he's big enough. <laughs> yeah, so like I don't even like. I, I guess one prospect from his class would be kind of like uh, similar would be William Volander, who um the the Detroit yeah. Red Wings drafted okay. they're kind of like similar makeup but like trying like that's just another prospect like I can't I can't even really think of an NHL player oh, right now like six, six. He's, yeah so like I don't know and then uh, I mentioned Grits Uke before he just kind of like came out came out of nowhere this season um been one of like the best U21 players in the the KHL so um yeah I mean he's really ex- exciting prospect and then uh, Jay mentioned Nolan Foot before. He's kind of mm-hmm. having a, a down season this year uh, in, with the comments. I wouldn't say he's been bad. He's just kind of maybe stagnated a little bit. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, they got a deep, yeah, they got, they still got a pretty deep prospect pool, even with like a guy like Dawson Mercer graduating uh, to being a full time NHLer at this he's point. He's been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't play. Prospect anymore. I mean, he's like, what is he, fourth on your team in scoring? Yeah. Uh yeah, he's gotta be he's got thirty one points in like fifty eight games. So yeah, he's gotta be somewhere up there. That's not a prospect. Um, that, no, a- not anymore. Yeah, and now they got him on the the wing with uh Hughes and Sharon Govich the last few oh, games, which it. I'm ass- I'm assuming you'll you'll be seeing that tonight again. So probably yeah. Do you like him more as a winger or do you like him at center? Uh that's a good question. Um I think in the long term, the Devils are going to want to play like him in the top six, and that's going to have to come on the wing because he'll never overtake Nico or Jack Hughes as uh, yeah, top no. two centers. Yeah. And uh, Jes- Jesper Boquist has been really good as their third line center for like the last Ooh, month. Right. So yeah. um, now they can move Mercer to the wing uh, a lot easier. But I'm I'm not sure like if he's better at wing or at center yet. I think he's. His, he's been putting up points since moving to the wing with Hughes and Sharon Govich, but like some of his five-on-five five members have just been a bit of a mixed bag. But he's such a good player that I think he just maybe needs some time to adjust, uh, getting more comfortable uh, on the wing. And it's funny, actually, he said last night um, after the, the Canucks game that because someone asked him the same question um, in the media. I was like, um, do you prefer playing center or right wing? And he said in uh, Lindy Ruff's system, there's really no difference. It's kind of like a positionless system for the forwards. So 
um, which I thought was kind of interesting because he's far from the first player who's said that about Lindy Ruff's system. So, right. yeah, uh, I mean, we've seen that a lot with us too, where it's like we can't decide whether we want to put you at center or on the wing because we have a lot of natural yeah. centers and it's hard for us to fit everyone in a log jam. And- yeah, we're seeing that right now with with uh, Jack Rosovic, where we just we don't know what, what he is. We don't know if he's the center. We don't know if he's and Texier whenever he gets back. Same with Alexander Texier, and we're not sure what the future is for either of these guys. There's some inconsistency there, so it, yeah. it's interesting. Max, I that yeah, interesting. I, I like I personally like Mercer a little bit more on the wing, so I agree mm-hmm. with you there. Uh, specifically, if you're putting him in the top six, so I thought it would be interesting to ask. Now I know yeah. we got to wrap this up because of time. This, you know, because I don't know how much time is left after that notification popped up. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, so, it's unlimited. We're fine on time. Oh, are we unlimited? Oh, now? we are. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. that's right. perfect. Okay. Right. Well, let's awesome. go as long as we want then. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask this though because this has been on my mind since we kind of since we booked you. Um, how did you? become a writer for the devils on the hockey writers what was your whole trajectory in the getting into this because um you know jay's a journalism student i went to school for film and media production with a focus in like directing and writing uh just trying to get us yeah it's it was fun uh just yeah a little bit of advice on like people who want to get into writing and just getting out there more honestly yes especially um, in a time like this yeah, so I uh, I went to school for political science. I was a political science major. Uh, had nothing to do with sports and college writing. Didn't even write about sports for my college because it was a kind of a small D3 school that didn't really have a very good athletic program. So I was like, you know, not really worth my, my time. So when I graduated college, I started just blogging for fun um, with a Devil's blog called Devil's Army Blog. Uh, they have a pretty good following on Twitter if you want to follow them for more devil's news they got like 5,000 followers or something around there um that's how i got started i wrote there for uh, i want to say like about two and a half years uh then i joined the hockey writers in 2018 uh was it i think january 2018 so i've been with them a little bit over four years now um isn't that about the same time frame as mark j like he's been with the hockey writers for a while yeah mark scheig yes he's our guy he's our dude (laughs) Yeah, he's great. I mean, he he's not like he he's not the leader at the um, the hockey writers, but he like he's in charge of getting credentials and stuff, and like he has a huge voice and say and stuff. And he's he's really like easy to communicate with. And if you ever have like a question or something like that, he's he's just really good. He sets up like these career nights for us too with um oh perfect um like different like Blue Jackets writers. Uh, we had who was it? Jeff Savota. Sorry, our insider. Yeah, Yeah, he. He was one of our, uh, he was a guest once and he's, he had some like really good advice for us too. Um, but yeah, like my path was um, like the hockey writers and what I do now with uh, Todd Cornell's website, Infernal Access, is just like part-time pay and stuff like that. But like I had, you know, I hadn't like, I had no experience writing about, you know, hockey or sports coming out of school. I didn't, never had, I, I wrote for like my school paper in high school and my, my high school had like an insane athletic department. So um, I think I have I actually talked about what Jay about this before because you went to St. Edwards, right? Yep. In, yeah. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, baby. Yeah, I went to Bergen Catholic, which is like kind of the equivalent of St. Edwards here in uh, in Jersey. So, but like, yeah, that was like my only previous like sports writing experience was back in high school. 
Um, so like my advice would be like, you know, if you didn't do it in college, like it, it doesn't matter. You could still find a path for you because, you know, it, I mean, if you're good at it and like you really, you really want to put the time and effort and like just devote, um, you know, you got to devote the hours to it. Like that's mm -hmm. what we, you know, we've been, I've heard like a lot uh, in my time at the hockey writers, like, you know, the games are late at night, but like, you know, right. you have to do it. Like you got to stay up at late and write and stuff like that. Um, and like if you show that like you're dedicated and you're devoted to the work and like you really have a passion for it like it doesn't matter what you went to school for or whatever like that like people will they'll pick up on it like you'll get noticed eventually so um, be that'd be like my turn best. nocturnal right <laughs> pretty much honestly like um that that's um I mean, maybe not necessarily turning nocturnal I mean that would help but like if you're passionate about it people will pick up on it it's, even if like you weren't if that's not what you went to school for it doesn't matter like your what your diploma says doesn't mean that's what you have to do with the rest of your life so exactly that's very fair that's honestly yeah yeah i know so many people that have a certain degree and completely shift like later on i'm i'm just trying to make mine now because i just finished like i graduated summer of 20 <laughs> so i'm like oh. yeah that that was a rough time it was a um, tough time you were yeah. graduating student yeah i mean even now it's still we're just kind of like yeah. getting back past the pandemic so um but yeah i mean just just you know just keep plugging away that's that's my best thing like you know if you're consistent with your writing and your coverage of whatever team you're you, you know you're a fan of people will pick up on it eventually like i when i started at the hockey writers i think i went like it took me like I got like, 20, I'm not trying to like brag or anything like that. Like I didn't right. have, like I got 20, no, absolutely not. Like I don't, like I have 2,600 followers now, but it took me like two years to like start getting a following right. before like people started noticing like it, like it can get frustrating at first. Like you're, you're putting all the work in and like you're writing, you know, maybe a couple of times a week or whatever. And you're like, you're not really gaining a following. And you're like, well, you know, is this really worth my time? But like, if you stick with it and you're patient, like, like for me, like uh, there was definitely times where I wavered, like maybe a year and a half into the hockey writers where I was just kind of like, I don't know, is this really worth my time? Like, I'm not really building up a following like that. And like the, the money wasn't worth it at the time, but like I stuck with it. And now, you know, I'm in a pretty good place. Um, I'm like, I'm really happy where I've gotten with uh, at this point. And I feel like it keeps growing. So like, if you ever like think, you know you're you're writing and you just feel like well is this not worth my time and like and, you know it's not going anywhere for me just like stick with it because you never know like it might just take a little longer for you to kind of get where you want to be that is really good advice very, very solid yeah just you know just like for anybody if writers listening yeah to no this. that apply that yeah that doesn't apply of course that doesn't apply to just like sports writing if like there's a certain like uh you know whatever field you want to do with your career and for really more than just the it. two of us like honestly yeah, i asked it for the two stick. of us but at the same time yeah just stick with whatever you're passionate about whether it's like sports or um, i don't know finance or whatever it is you you want to do with film if you want to do that just stick with it and be patient because you never know what the payoff could be mm -hmm. so um i do have a, a question about the devils we have a couple more questions um, yeah go for it you yeah mentioned we'll wrap it on dawson actual devil stuff about, <laughs> yeah you, you mentioned what what dawson said about uh lindy ruff as, as the coach of the devils and like his system and everything like that what, what's the general consensus about 
Lindy Ruff is the coach of the team? Uh, so it depends where you look on social media. Um, on Twitter, it can be like just send this guy into the sun. Uh, I see a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. Of that. I see a little bit of that on Facebook too, but surprisingly on Facebook, I see a lot of people like in the, these devil's groups kind of like defending him and being like, listen, the goaltending is terrible. I'm not really sure. Like you can like, that's like something out of his control. Like Corey Crawford retiring before well, they even, he plays Twitter a game for the devil's. Cesspools. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I've been spending a lot less time on Twitter this year. Um, since like, so have I, honestly, it's been just yeah. promoting the show and trying to, yeah, yeah I can't just you know, stick on. I, I, check my timeline way less and less these days Mm -hmm. um but i think the general consensus on for me i think i wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back for a third season because uh, as we're seeing with these last couple starts from nico dawes it it really could just be like the goaltending like just get goalies and this team is going to take off Mm -hmm. um but like you know at the end of the day this is a results based um you know league just like any other sports league and his record with the Devils isn't good, and they just might, you know, want a fresh start. But there's arguments both ways, and I think that's maybe going to be a little bit of an underrated storyline for the Devils this offseason, what they decide to do with Lindy Ruff. Would you say uh, that Lindy, I really, like, you know, not to cut you off, I'm you know, sorry, I'm, I'm, I got to get better at that again. That's um, all right, it's fine. But, like, would you say that the adjustment between Lindy and John Hines or like Nezredine is like night and day or. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, John Hines, um, is bald. He could, yeah, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes that. Yeah. He is bald. Um, but, um, yeah, like the, 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 the two systems could not be any different from each other. I think, um, I think what Hines, you know, during his time with the devils, he had to adjust. A little bit to the the flaws of the the personnel and had to play a little bit more of a defensive game but once uh the devils started getting a little faster and uh younger with guys like jesper bratt and Nico Heischer and um jack hughes kind of just really being in in the league for a little longer although i think he got fired during jack hughes first season so yeah um, the, makes, the system yeah. was the team the system was just too slow pace um and defensive for the makeup of the roster and lindy ruff is the exact opposite of that. They're playing really fast-paced, high-event hockey um, under him, which, you know, there's benefits and there's also some cons to that kind of system because you'll generate a lot, but you'll also give a little bit back the other way. But I think that's how they have to play with guys like Jack Hughes and Justin Brad, who are just elite skaters. You you want to be playing, like, fast-paced, you know, um, aggressive kind of offense. Like, the only team during this little uh, seven-game stretch that the Devils uh, are on right now, uh, the only team that's generated more expected goals for 60 minutes than them is the Florida Panthers. So I mean, that's the Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, they've been really ridiculously good offensively the last, like, few weeks, and I think that's kind of, like, how you want to play with a guy like Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt kind of leading the way. Yeah, they've and they've also got a lot of other talents that we mentioned too on the team that make them interesting. Um, I will so say, coaching wise, Torts and Lars J. Very yeah, yeah. I think it's similar. a fair comparison. There's a, there's a significant difference between how John Tortorella ran the Blue Jackets and Brad Larson. How we're going it? We went from this transition of all defense focused in on defense structure, everything like that to we're playing offensively and we've seen and the blue jackets have seen a significant mm-hmm. increase in their offense as well. And, you know, it's, you know, being led by Patrick line. And yeah. He's been ridiculous. NHL's third star of February. Yeah. He's yeah. Been he, he, he's been really good. 
Boone Jenner's had a great season, Albert Bjorkstrand. So that it's it's good to to see that kind of transition. So I thought that that was interesting for Wendy yeah. Rock. The other thing Oliver, is, yeah, sorry, just to cut you off, but Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, resident Devils killer. If he's not scoring a goal tonight, <laughs> he the guy, I, that's my guy. Watch, every time I watch a Devils Blue Jackets game, it's Bjorkstrand scoring at least a goal. I'm always so, chirping with like, do you know Devil State of Mind? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm always Neil, chirping yeah. with Nick about Oliver, yeah. like back and forth because he's my guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, yeah, Bjorkstrand. I would be shocked if, especially if Gilly is starting tonight. I'd be really surprised if Bjorkstrand didn't score at least one goal. He had two goals, I think, the last time they played each other back he in did. Columbus. So it's weird. It's, like, it's, it feels like every it's coming. That team that they just always score against. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. But for just looking upcoming, you know, you're, you're very in tune with prospects and stuff like that, which is great. So the Devils, they have their own first, second, third, fourth, sixth, and seventh round draft picks. They also have the Oilers' fourth round pick from the Kulikov trade. They have the Islanders' fourth round pick from the Zajac and Palmieri trade. And they actually also have our fifth round pick do you want do you from know the keith kincaid keith yeah. kincaid yes yes i remember that that's this year i, I, I almost forgot that was, about that until that, jay brought that's it up this year i, I like, didn't know that was whoa. this year i forgot about that so you like, have been keith kincaid. yeah do you expect the devils to maybe use some of those draft picks to move up at some point and say maybe like the second or third round or do you think with where they're at they might actually trade down get some more draft picks or do they just stand pat uh well with the way they've drafted i kind of like just hope they trade down and get like these mid-round picks because they're just they keep finding gems in like the mid to late rounds like just for bat six round pick yeah arseny arseny fifth round pick um i'm trying to nico dawes third round pick so like you know Muhammad Dolan uh, off the board. Like, yeah, I know he's a board. first rounder, but like, totally off the board. Should have been a third round pick. Well, Chase Stillman was really off the board, too. I'm not happy about that pick. But yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love if they trade down because they just, there's, especially for some reason, they just scout Europe really well and they'll probably find some weird Russian player or Swedish player that I've never heard of that will turn into like a legit NHL prospect in a couple of years. So, like, nice when you get some European scouts that really know what they're doing, right? Yeah, the, the <laughs> Devils have. Yeah, I mean, Castrone yeah. was the was the Blue Jackets uh, director of scouting before he went to join uh, Ray Shero in like 2015 or whatever. So, yep. Um, but yeah, I, I I do hope they trade down at some point because like, you know, I I don't like the fact that they like make these reaches on some of these later picks like Shakir and Chase Stillman. Like Chase Stillman shouldn't have been a first round pick. Like mm. there was you should have traded down there if you, you really wanted him. Uh, or you should have taken Salmon and at that pick, it would have been more reasonable than Chase Stillman. Um, yeah. So, like, I do hope they trade down, but I also think they're going to probably try to dangle some of these picks to maybe get some NHL talent on their roster, um, whether it's now at the trade deadline or during the offseason. So it's probably going to go both ways a little bit. There's a couple more weeks. They can figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's re- yeah, they're going to be interesting as a deadline, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So outside of goaltending because we've, we've spent a pretty good time on goaltending mm-hmm. um, yeah you, you know you've met you've mentioned that the devils do a really good job of, of their cap situation and because of that you've had the ability to go out and sign a dougie hamilton and trade for ryan graves um it, it, as we look towards free agency you know like which is further down the line but you have the money available i'm not asking if there's a player specific you're looking for but outside of goaltending what's the 
next position you want to look to upgrade through free agency or through trade? Um, so I think probably getting a, another score would be really good, even though they're scoring like five goals a game. Uh, right now, that's not really sustainable. So um, I mean, with how and, young the forward core is, you would like yeah. to have a veteran score? Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think that's probably why, even though Besser is only 24 years old, he's been in the league for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Probably why they're looking at him. Or same with Connor Garland. You know, he probably um, could probably... Young enough way. and still get... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think they're going to look for a score, um, whether it's, I guess, trading for Brock Besser or someone like him, or I don't, I'm not too familiar with the free agent class yet, but like I know Andre Burakovsky is a free agent, so is Nino Niederreiter. So like if those two guys don't re-sign with their teams. JT Miller's a name that's out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, if he had more term on his deal, I think the Devils would definitely be in, be in on him, but they're not going to trade for him since he only has like 16 months left on his contract. And oh, I'm right, not even so really sure. Then... They, I'm not even really sure the Canucks are going to trade him, to be honest. I think they're going to try to resign him and move like maybe Besser or Garland uh, instead. So. so then I guess that takes Flurry out of the question for your goaltending conundrum then, too. Uh, yeah, I would be really surprised. I mean, Flurry, if he decides to keep playing after the season, it's going to have to be with like a team that's you know has the potential to be a top four a final four team in the nhl playoffs like going home to pittsburgh um, or something like that maybe yeah yeah i mean i kind of want to see him on the washington capitals oh like, god no that's not happening though yeah <laughs> we were talking about that in a in a previous episode like we were like, no. to go to yeah. anything not the penguins like, like that's like a rival of the penguins so like yeah would... that's why i don't that's why apparently he's rejected that trade like a few times already. i don't know who reported that but like a washington trade know, yeah, so like I don't know if Colorado could make the money work. Maybe they'd want him and Kemper as their two guys going into Ooh. the playoffs. Uh, that'd be interesting. Well, they're but also yeah, like really as as, on Giroux. So. When it, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, Drew might make more sense for them actually. Um, but like as far as it goes to Flurry and the Devils, I don't, I don't really see it. That's the interesting thing with Devils goaltending too is like the free agent class is not really that great. So like if they're looking for like a long term option, they're gonna probably have to look for a trade. Mm, yeah, because the only guy I think is really truly interesting in this free agent class for goaltending is uh, Francois in Colorado. But even he oh. has a very very small sample size because he's had some injury issues and he's yeah. been a long time. His numbers look good, but it's hard to judge it. Yeah, it's the injuries that scare me with him a little bit because the Devils are having yeah. problems with goalie injuries right now. So. <laughs> I don't know. Like, do they want to take that risk? Probably not. Like that. But um, I mean, Kemper is actually a free agent too. Um, that would probably be someone I would look at. Oh, that's if, right. He is. If, oh, if he doesn't have um, if he doesn't get like a ridiculous, if he's not looking for like a ridiculous contract as a free agent, I think that'd be someone they look at. Maybe Anton Forsberg's had a really good season with Ottawa too. So that might be someone they look at. But yeah, interesting. yeah, he's had a pretty good season, and his like career numbers are pretty decent too. So I wouldn't you know billy huso as well uh he's an interesting guy oh. he's he's incredibly interesting um, billy yeah. is stealing bennington's job you know that right? yeah which makes me wonder what the the blues are going to do there because bennington's contract is like pretty much immovable so um that's yeah. an interesting situation to watch like, yeah his it's numbers, like have been pretty they haven't been bad but they've been relatively pedestrian they're not what you'd expect first half hit and it's not what you expect out of a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Yeah. I mean, but this is also like, the goaltender that told Martin Bruder to fuck off. So, 
Yeah, I mean, he well, he always seems. I don't watch the Blues that often, but I feel like every time I do watch him, he's always acting up a little bit. And I'm like, dude, all the time. This this guy, I swear, I just I want to see him actually fight somebody, please, just to stop. And we know he's probably not going to. Yeah, so be interesting to see what happens um, there. But like, um, yeah, as far as free agency goes, like after giving Dougie Hamilton that kind of contract, you know, I don't see them going for like a another giant free agent like i think johnny Gaudreau, if he doesn't sign in calgary he's from jersey originally oh, I don't, yeah I, yeah i don't see the devil's doing that um just because the cap hits he's probably he's having a heart caliber season so that cap hits probably gonna be eight figures now so i don't yeah. see them doing something i don't see them doing something like that again yeah and generally speaking just just my opinion is like Unless you have a lot of, like, I had no issue with you guys going after Doug Hamilton. I thought that made sense. But yeah, I'm generally opposed to going after two players in free agency with a lot of money because you saw it with the Minnesota Wild when they went after Ryan Suter and Zach Parise and how that yep. worked out for them. So, like, yeah. if you can afford to do it with a Dougie Hamilton, I don't think you can afford to do Dougie Hamilton as well as Johnny Gaudreau while you're also building a team with, you know, Jack Hughes and Nico Fisher. And now you got Jesper Brad who's going to be making a lot more money. So. Yep, exactly. And Sharon Govich is an RFA either this offseason too or next offseason. So he's going to get a payday mm. from what he's getting right now. So, yeah, that's why I don't see them going for like um, a big name free agent. That's why, I, like I mentioned Nino Niederreiter before, because I think he could be someone who gets maybe like one of those tier, second tier, like shortish, maybe like three year kind of deals. He would be like a good upgrade for them in the middle six if they want to go that way. So, um, yeah. It's the, it's like when we signed Gus Nyquist, I think. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I remember when the Devil or the Blue Jackets signed Gus Nyquist. I was like, I thought he was a pretty good target for the uh, the Devils at the same time, too. But, like, yeah. So I, he's got, what, like, a, he signed, like, a four-year deal when he signed yeah, with Columbus. Four years, like yes. I think that'd be reasonable for Nino Niederreiter. Yeah. I think if the Devils could pull something off like that in free agency, and you could even apply that to maybe, like, trying to find a depth defenseman if Subban is, you know, they trade him and he, they don't mm-hmm. plan on re-signing him in the summer, you could maybe try to see them do something like that for a depth defenseman like Ilya Labushkin or something like that, or Jan Ruda if the, the, the Lightning don't re-sign him, something like that. So, but yeah, I don't expect them to go crazy in free agency this year like they did last year when they got Hamilton and Tomas Tatar and Bernier. I don't mm-hmm. see them spending that kind of money. Right, they already took a lot of splashes this past summer, so... Yeah. Interesting. What's the general consensus on him? Um, so, like, the counting totals are not great. He's only got, like, 22 points in 50 games, but, like, his underlying numbers are, are still pretty solid like he's been pretty good and lately he's been a little better he's got like five points in his last seven games or something like that and uh Tatar is one of those analytical darlings though like yeah I mean he was uh his numbers with Montreal were just insane that's why I was pushing so hard for uh in my writing for the Devils to sign him because just like his numbers were absolutely ridiculous with Montreal mm-hmm. um and his numbers have still been pretty good he's just not scoring as much but he's looked um better the last few games on the third line with uh, Andreas Janssen and Jesper Boquist so how good has um, Andreas Johnson been by the way yeah Wow. Yeah, last last season, Andreas uh, Janssen was like the punching bag of the Devils fans base, and this what? year, yeah, it's funny is came... I think he prefers Johnson, which is the funny thing. Yeah, is it? Yeah, I, I see. I never know what these these uh, sometimes with the Swedish players like. It's either Jesper I know. Or Jesper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's uh, if it's Johnson, I'm sorry, Andreas, if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> he broke my. We'll, we'll but, get to um, that point hopefully. Um, but I yeah, I that. think. Um, He's been really good this season, really good bounce back season. Like, if you look at his numbers from last season, like, it was just, like, kind of really obvious. Like, he was 
in line for like to kind of get back to where he was with the Maple Leafs this season. So mm-hmm. um, that's been a nice uh, little, uh, I guess, addition to the Devils this season. Yeah. Yeah. It is his offense shot up to 94%. And uh, yeah. And Jay freshened him out. And it, it, the, diff, the, the significant difference is his, his shooting percentage has gone up. Yeah. Mr. At the beginning of the Mr. season, Patreon he was shooting like, at the beginning of the season, he was shooting like 30%, which was like really ridiculously unsustainable. I don't know what it's now. I think it's closer to like his career average. I think it's around like 14. Which is fine. Or something like that. But yeah, he's been um, solid back season. He's, he's looked like the player that the, the Devils thought they were getting when they traded for him a year ago, a year and a half ago. And that was in the trade for with what it was. Wait, it was Joey Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, uh, was that the only piece that went to Toronto? I think it was, because it was a cap yeah. trade in, in the yeah. offseason when everybody was just, like, trying to get rid of assets. Yeah, yeah, because they had no money from the, the financial losses from the pandemic. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure Joey right. was everybody was just trying to get Toronto. Because yeah. that was, in that offseason, you also made another move. You, you traded, that was a fifth-round pick for, for Ryan, Murray. Ryan Murray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right, a, yes. Yeah. He had a pretty good season with New Jersey. I thought there was actually maybe a chance that they would have resigned them for this season, but he he moved up to Colorado. So it wasn't a it wasn't a direct trade, but I mean he went to Colorado and then you ended up getting Ryan Graves. So. That's true. It's a little bit of a swap, yeah. Kind of, but like I think that that's worked out well for both sides because I think Murray been a little bit more of a fit in Colorado, and I think Ryan Graves has worked really well with you guys. Yeah, yeah he's really good, and um whether it's on the second pair with uh, Damon or the first pair with uh, Dougie Hamilton, you know, um, he's really contributed there. I didn't know he was like, a, I had seen like the things about uh, Graves' time in Colorado, just him just being kind of like trigger happy from the left point and just like, fire. Yeah. he's just like, sh- he just shoots from everywhere from the left point. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But this season it's been working more often than not. He's getting the points and you know, some players are, you know, I guess kind of, uh, capitalizing off the rebound chances he is. So, yeah, he's been yeah, good. Well, uh, yesterday against the, the Canucks that collected, didn't he? Yeah, it went off like a Canucks. Uh, I think it was Luke Shen. It went off his leg or skate oh, or something. And won it. Yeah, <laughs> Shen had a rough game. Shen and Tyler Myers had some rough, uh, they had a rough game. Tyler like, Myers had a rough several years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last, yeah, he was uh, on ice twice. For uh, one goal is Jack Hughes. He was on a two-on-one with Mercer, and Hughes he didn't play the two-on-one correctly, and Hughes just fired a wrist shot, and then he made a terrible turnover to Hughes later, and Hughes like set up Sharon Govich and Mercer, or Mercer and Sharon Govich, and yeah, it was a rough night for him. Tyler's so, like one of our favorite punching bags because like you know we're yeah. a Blue Jackets podcast, but we talk about the Canucks and the Coyotes way too much. Yeah. <laughs> Canucks, man. I mean, I've uh, because of these rumors that have come up with um, Brock Besser and stuff like their fan base. It's just like a, I'm diving into a whole different world here. I don't want to piss off shamble, fans yeah. right now, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a different game up there in Vancouver. It really is. But it, going back to to the defense because we just talked about Ryan Graves. What do you think? Like moving forward, you'd rather see for the defensive pairs. Do you want to see? Siegenthaler continue to play with Hamilton. Do you want to see Graves play with Hamilton? Like, like, what would you want your top four to be? Uh, so yeah, I think this one's actually a pretty easy call for me with the way uh, Siegenthaler has uh, just kind of emerged as this really, I guess, elite defensive defenseman right now. Um, I would like to see Siegenthaler stick with Hamilton because 
Like, uh, I'm not saying Siegenthaler is Jacob Slavin. Slavin's a better defenseman than him, especially two ways. Siegenthaler is just, like, strictly a defensive defenseman. But, like, it's yeah. a little bit closer to that kind of arrangement that uh, Dougie had down in Carolina. And then I like Graves and Severson have put up good numbers this season, so I like to stick together. And then, you know, I don't know what happens with the third pair because Ty Smith is having, like, the year from hell. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess you'd have either Smith or Colton White with Subban on the third pair. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. I like that. So we're, we're actually going to, we, yeah, up. we're kind of running through time. We got to go through a couple yeah, of quick things, but yeah. Yeah. Let's go for it. Prediction for tonight's game, man. I mean, if I knew who was starting for the devils, I would say like, if Nico Dawes were saying starting, I would definitely see like they got a chance with John Gillies is starting out. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because the Devils' offense is on fire right now, and Elvis has been, like, a little bit up and down this season. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be yeah. some goals. Yeah, I think there's going to be some goals tonight. But, like, I would – I don't know. I probably – if Gillies is starting, I'd probably take, like, the Blue Jackets, like, 6-4 or something like that. <laughs> so, okay, so this game is going to be a 2-1 to game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. That's usually the way it goes. So, like, 1-0 shutout with Gillies getting, like, 40 saves on 41 shots or something, like, yeah. <laughs> ridiculous like that. 3-2 to shootout. Let's go. Yeah. When you make a prediction and you say like six four, it always ends up being the opposite and vice right. versa. So, all right, we appreciate it, Alex. You've been a great guest. And Good yeah, to thanks meet for having you. me on. And we'll yeah, we'll definitely yeah, we'll have you back on at fun. some point for sure. Yeah, I think Devils and Blue Track has still got another meeting. I think at least this season. So yeah, really Could fun to have again. you on as our first guest. You know, like we're just a tiny little show right now, but like, yeah, hey, that's how you got to start up. So yeah, yeah, no, sounds good to me. Jay Jake Jackets, a podcast for fifth liners and all puckheads around. Follow the guys on Twitter at Snake Garinger, G A R R I N G E R, and at By Jay Ashdown. And subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen. March on. March on.